Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Just going to be me today. Wow, what a crazy draft last night. Uh, And in today's episode, as I said, uh, yesterday's episode, it's going to be all about the NBA draft. Today, I think tomorrow... You know, might mix in a little bit of other stuff, but I hope tomorrow to, uh, you know, give out team grades. But in today's episode, first I'm going to start off by discussing why last night's draft was so crazy. And then I'm going to grade all the first round picks and then we're going to discuss a little bit of the second round. I'm probably not going to go pick by pick for the second round. I'm just going to discuss some of the, you know, bigger picks like Bull Bull and kind of some of the bigger storylines in the second round. I'm going to grade every first round pick and kind of talk about those picks. And if we have time in today's episode, uh, which I don't think we'll will, we will, I'll go over the trades. I, I don't think I will end up doing this. Um, and I'll probably do this in tomorrow's episode or sometime, but I don't think I'm going to do the trades today. But if there is time, I possibly will. But just expect me to go over why the draft was so crazy and every grading every first-round pick and discussing some of the bigger storylines in the second round. So first, I'm going to start off with why the draft was so crazy last night. So let's get to that. All right, so I wrote this... Uh, Right after this is the first thing I wrote after the NBA draft, and it was why the draft was so crazy because I knew everyone's going to come out with grading all the picks, you know, team grades, all this, the trades, but not a lot of people are going to discuss why the trade was so uh, draft was so crazy. People are going to talk about wow, the draft is so crazy, but exactly why? Uh, I stayed up for the whole draft. Um, ended at like twelve thirty or one o'clock. Started at like seven thirty, and I was watching. From like 6.30, obviously I went up and like did stuff. I had a few friends over and we were kind of, you know, fooling around and whatnot. But we saw, I, I saw every, I watched every pick. You know, I'd kind of take a little break so we'd do stuff in between picks and whatnot. But I, I watched the whole the whole thing, uh, just a dedicated NBA fan. Well, the thing is, I, you know, scouted every prospect so I knew and it was just, it was crazy. Uh, and I wrote, well, what a night. I watched the whole entire draft with a few of my friends, and now I can't wait to talk about it. But the only problem is I might need a little time to digest everything that just happened. That was after the draft. I don't know why I even just said that. But anyway, uh, I wrote, there were 17 trades today. Well, yesterday, draft day. There were 17 trades that happened. And 21 ever since the Allen Crab trade. That is crazy. Absolutely insane. So here's what I wrote uh, about the draft being so crazy. I wrote, first of all, I'll start out with why so many players were went much higher or much lower than expected. That was due to the fact that GM's big boards were so much more different than usual, especially outside the top eight. A good example is Ryu Hachimara. Hachimaru was taken ninth overall by the Washington Wizards, but by report, there were a few teams that wouldn't have taken him if he fell to the 20s. Uh, I also heard the Wizards, again, I'm going to discuss this too, but the Wizards didn't um, bring in Ryu Hachimara for a workout, and they didn't even talk to him. They had not, The only time they talked to him was a few times after Gonzaga games in the stands. They talked to him a few times. Didn't have him in for a, a workout and didn't even talk to him. Ryu Hachimara said, I didn't even know they knew my name. Obviously, they probably did, but they didn't, you didn't even talk to the guy. Didn't even have him in. You talked to him what, once or twice after a Gonzaga game. What does that do? And I'm sure it was just like, hey, what's up? Yeah, we're scout for the Wizards. Like, doesn't, no, 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 no. What? Listen, I don't. I didn't mind the pick. I'll get to my grade. I don't think it was the best pick, but that just that bugged me, and that actually hurt my grade uh, on the pick. But so yeah, it was not an A plus, as you can guess. But anyway, or, then I wrote. Then there's guys like Cam Johnson and Chuma Okeke who weren't on some GM's big boards until the mid second round, but were very high on the Suns and Magic big boards. Cam Johnson was going to be, you know, picked in probably the 20s. So, you know, that was a bit, bit of a stretch. And I had Chumo Keki going in the early second round. But you get the point. I'm just trying to say. Uh, some big boards, at least, they were on. But that just shows. I, I mean, I'm not wrong, actually. 
Some big boards, they were middle of the second round. They went this high. Ken Johnson goes 11th to the Suns. And Okeke goes 16th to the Magic. I also wrote, Then there's guys like Nasir Little, who were passed on by many, many teams. But then finally, the Portland Trailblazers took him with the 25th pick. And it was reported that he was their top prospect left on the board for a while. Since like the 15th pick, I think, or something around that area. Like, around when the lottery was wrapping up, the Portland Trailblazers were like, all right, Nasir Little is our best player left on the big board, and he fell all the way. That was a great pick, by the way. I'll get to my grade, but that's just crazy. That is absolutely insane. All these teams you saw pass on Nasir Little. I am moving ninth to the Wizards. All those teams passed on him. And almost that whole time, he was the best player available on the Trailblazers big board. (laughs) That's, That's insane. Then, the last example I'll share is Jordan Poole. Poole was not invited to the green room, which is basically where the NBA takes their quote-unquote top 30 prospects or their players expected to go in the first. Of course, there's always a handful of green room players that fall to the second round because it's never the NBA never guesses the 30 players that will get picked in the first round. You saw Bull Bull slide to 44. So, I mean, if they are in the green room, the odds of them getting picked are 99.9%, but not all of them go in the first round. But Jordan Poole wasn't invited to the green room and was expected to be a mid-to-late second-round pick, if that. Some people didn't even think he'd be drafted. He wasn't even in the top 60 on big boards. And at highest, he was probably like 48, except for the Warriors. The Warriors picked him at 28. Which doesn't make sense because which does make sense because he's a very good shooter. But that's just a few of many examples of why some of your predictions may have been way off. Jordan Poole wasn't on some people's big boards. And if he was, he's probably at highest like 45. The Warriors took him with the 28th pick. That is absolutely insane. That's insanity. Then there's the traits. We were bombarded with trades. 17 on draft day, 21 since the Allen Crab trade, including the Allen Crab trade. This question is a little harder to answer, but I felt many teams were just at a scramble. With everyone's big board being so unique, plus the fact that many teams were scrambling to free up cap space for this year's NBA free agency, I feel we were bound for many moves to be made. I don't think next year's, you know, for it that was a big part of why there's so many trades. Next year's free agency isn't going to be as big, so don't expect that many trades. That was too much. That was too much. I said this year's trade deadline was a little overwhelming. This was overwhelming, too. I like a lot of trades, but this was a little too much. I didn't know after a pick, I'd be like, is he even going to be on this team? Because half the guys that were picked were literally, oh, but reportedly this they're going to go somewhere else. So those guys would walk up there with a Nets hat. But then they'd be going to, you know, God knows where, or a Celtics hat, you know. They'd be going off to the Suns, Ty Jerome. So it was just like the team that they, it, I felt like half those guys were probably thinking, all right, they got drafted by this, you know, let's say they get drafted by the Celtics. They were just like, all right, well, I'm not a Celtic, you know. that That's just how it felt. Like, I'm probably getting traded, aren't I? Because that's, you know, every, th- you know, one of every three players are getting traded. That, that was just ridiculous. Uh, so that's why it was just so crazy. Just all the big boards were so unique. All those teams are out of scramble. A ton of teams just want to free up cap space. So they, you know, pick a player and then trade them for, uh, you know, a pick in the future. That's just that's just how it went. There were a few trades with cash considerations. Um, so that that's just, that's why it was just so crazy. I figured I'd give you the insight on that. So now I'm going to give you my uh, NBA grades for every first-round pick. Then we'll get to some of the second-round uh, second headlines and just the whole draft in general. But first, I'm going to start with the grades, so let's get to that. All right, so first, to start this off, we are going to kick it off with the number one pick where the New Orleans t- Pelicans took power forward Zion Williamson. This is an A-plus. I mean, there's no doubt Zion was going first overall. This is the pick. Not much explanation needed. Then at number two, the Grizzlies take point guard John Morant. I gave this an A-plus as well. You could you have a little bit of an argument for R.J. Barrett, but I think everyone knew John Morant was the guy. I do think R.J. Barrett could definitely be better than John Morant, but these two are both going to be great. You traded Mike Conley uh, you know, to kind of, you know, first of all, you had to trade him anyway, but now all of a sudden it can be John Morant's team because now that he's gone... I just think John Morant was the guy there. I think if you were going to keep Mike Conley or Mike Conley was a little younger, you know, if Mike Conley's 27, 28 years old, you know, 
he's in his prime. Maybe you decide to keep him and take R.J. Barrett, but no, you shipped him off. He's in his 30s. Good move. You have to pick John Morant. Then at the Knicks, uh, small forward R.J. Barrett, I gave this pick an A. Uh, it was an arguable A+, but the reason I gave it an A, they definitely should have taken R.J. Barrett. There's no doubt about it. R.J. Barrett wants to be a Nick. Uh, the Knicks need literally every single position, so you took the by far best player left on the the draft in the draft. With John Morant and Zion gone, RJ was your guy. You were gonna take you know you, this is you know you had the big three in this draft: Zion, John Morant, and R- RJ. Excuse me, RJ. And the Knicks, if they didn't trade that third pick, they were going to take whichever one was left. And they knew it was probably going to be R.J. Barrett. And it was. The reason I gave this an A instead of an A+, because you could argue they could have traded the pick to get, you know, traded down in this draft and got a little more uh, than R.J. Barrett. Like, they could have got a Darius Garland in, you know, another pick, another asset, or Jarrett Culver in another asset, something like that. That could have been a little more valuable than R.J. Barrett. But overall, I am glad they kept this third pick and took R.J. Barrett because I think he's going to be a very good player. And it's the one step in the right direction for the New York Knicks. Uh, I'm glad they kept it, but, you know, it's arguable. So that's why it's an A instead of an A+. Then the Hawks here take small forward DeAndre Hunter. I gave this a B-. minus. This one was tough to grade. Okay, this one was tough to grade. There was the trade here. Uh, the Hawks traded the number 8 pick, number 17 pick, number 35 pick to the Pelicans for number 4, the 57th pick, a future second rounder, and Solomon Hill's bad contract. So Solomon Hill, there's a negative. You gave up too much to go all the way up to number 4 and take it, DeAndre Hunter. I like Hunter. I do a lot. I think his floor is very high. His floor is around... I don't know. His floor would be maybe... Uh, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Last night, Jay Billis said it. Jay Crowder. I'm thinking someone along those lines. A Jay Crowder. That's a good one. It's tough. Someone Jay Caliber, uh, Crowder's cal- caliber. I felt like on a past episode, I said somebody else, but I kind of forgot who that was. So, yeah, I'll go with Jay Billis's floor. Jay Crowder. I do like that. Uh, I do think that's a reasonable floor. And that would be a disappointment for DeAndre Hunter if he becomes Jay Crowder. But even that's solid. Um, not for the fourth pick, but... It's all right. DeAndre Hunter, though, it's just what is his upside? I think you gave up too much for a guy with not such a high upside. I like Hunter, but overall, you gave up too much. I think the Hawks, DeAndre Hunter's a great fit, but I think you could have traded with, like, the Suns. The Suns would have been great. Listen, okay, now that I think about it, maybe not. I know the Hawks really like DeAndre Hunter. Now the more I think about the Pelicans, probably would have taken him fourth, but... I just think as much as you like DeAndre Hunter, that's a little too much to go all the way up there just to get him. Again, I'm not sure how high his ceiling is. That's my biggest question. It'd be a great three, versatile 3 and D wing, but I think they just gave a little too much trade up that high to get him. But still, I like the pick. And overall, the pick itself is probably an A-. minus. But the trade, I just think you gave up too much. Then the Cavaliers pick point guard Darius Garland guard, essentially, and I gave this a C plus, Almost a C. I hate, I, I don't hate this pick, but it's so overrated. I've heard all the Cavs fans say, what a draft, and it wasn't a bad one, but this pick just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You, I, I like Jordan Clarkson, and you already have Colin Sexton. I felt you needed to focus on, like, listen, I, I wouldn't mind Jared Culver here. I think Culver might bust. I think Gold like, if I look at some of these top guys that were picked, Culver looks like he could really bust. I, I, I do believe that. But still, I'm not confident he's going to bust. And I just don't think Garland made a whole lot of sense. Sexton and Garland is your backcourt. Uh, you know, Garland can play off ball, but, I mean, I don't know. Sexton, Garland, that's an undersized backcourt. I know Sexton's a very good defender, but he's still undersized. And Garland, you know, he's just a liability defensively. That backcourt is just too small. It's a great shooting backcourt, but how good is that backcourt at driving to the hoop? That's not a very good playmaking backcourt either. So I'm not a huge fan of that fit at all. Uh, Garland and Sexton, I think this is an overrated pick here. I don't think Garland... I like Garland, but I don't think that's the guy they should have picked. They should have picked somebody on, like a small forward, or they should have picked a big man. Or traded down. I think they should have actually aimed for R.J. Barrett and traded up, but since that was too hard to do, the Knicks were not giving up that pick. There, you should have picked Jarrett Culver, or you should have tried to trade down and maybe take, you know, or 
Cam, no, Cam Reddish is one. I think he'd actually be a nice fit there, but I'm not sure there. You'd either take Jared Culver there or you trade down. Uh, I don't know how far down, but I don't think you should have, you know, spent that fifth pick on Darius Garland. I just don't think it's a very good fit, in my opinion. Then at the sixth fit, sixth pick, we have the Timberwolves taking shooting guard slash small forward Jared Culver. I gave this pick a B. My friend is a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. Yes, he lives here uh, in he lives here in my town, but um, he just he, his dad's from Minnesota, so he's a Timberwolves fan. He's really praying for Kobe White here, and I'd be doing the same exact thing. Listen, I'm just not a huge fan of Jarrett Culver. I do think they needed somebody on the wing, but I just don't I don't, I don't think Culver's exactly the best fit here. Um, and I just think, I don't know what to say. I just think Kobe was the better option. I think he just fits better with your system. And I know you have Jeff Teague and I know you have Derek Rose, but D Rose could easily leave. And, you know, so should Jeff Teague, um, you know, very soon as well. And they're both aging as well. It's not like they're in their prime or young guys, you know, they're both, I think in their thirties. So Again, I just think Kobe White was the better option here, and I do think I'm not that high on Jarrett Culver. I do think if I had a bet on him hitting his floor or hitting his ceiling, I don't want to say that, but if I had to pick you know, one of these top prospects to bust between Zion, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garn, and Jarrett Culver, I'm taking Jarrett Culver. Uh, not because he was the last pick or not because he went to Minnesota. I just kind of these past few days, I've really looked into it and I said I'm not too high on this guy. And I never really was, but there's just something about him. I gave this pick a B. I, I you know, I'm not confident he'll bust. I'm not confident anyone will bust. I think the hardest part, arguably the hardest part of analyzing the NBA and talking the NBA all across the board has to be finding players that will bust. There's just upside in every single player in my eyes, and it's very rare for me to say, yep, this guy will definitely bust. I'm sorry, but again, if I had to think, you know, I think this guy could definitely bust. So, and obviously anyone could, but if I had to pick out of these top six guys, I'd pick Jarrett Culver. And I just think, you know, it gives you something on the wing. I'm not saying he's a horrible fit, but I think Kobe White would have been the better option here, and I'm not that high on Culver. So that's why I gave that pick a B. Then the Bulls took guard Kobe White. Grade, I gave it a minus. Um, oh, yeah, and for the Jarrett Culver trade, uh, the good part about it, though, was that they didn't give up much to trade up. Uh, they gave up the 11th pick in Dario Sarge. So essentially, they went from 11 to 6 thanks to Dario Sarge. And I like Sarge, but I don't think the Timberwolves liked him at all. I just think the Wolves underused him in his uh, short time in Minnesota. And overall, I just don't think they were a huge fan of him. So I'm glad that they did move on. And I, I did like the trade. But um, other than that, I don't I don't really know. Uh Overall, this pick was eh. It wasn't horrible, but anyway, the Bulls take guard Kobe White. This was a great, great pick by the Chicago Bulls. I give this pick an A-. minus. I do think Chris Dunn is, you know, a little, I don't want to say overhated, but he's a serviceable point guard, but they can definitely upgrade. Chris Dunn, great defender, you know, solid little passer, scores about 10 points per game, you know. He'll be a little bit of an over-average point guard if he keeps developing, but I just think, you know, he is underrated. People tend to forget about him, and they could upgrade over him, and Kobe White's a great fit. Kobe White is a good scoring guard. Um, He's a versatile scorer as well, which is great. I think you need that type of guy, you know, next to Zach Levine. Zach Levine has improved his shooting, but he's more of a slashing, very athletic guard, shooting guard. So to pair with that, you put Kobe White. Now, Zach Levine is an a tremendous playmaker, but he's someone who likes the ball in his hands, and I think that's perfectly okay with Kobe White because Kobe White needs to improve his playmaking. And you're probably telling me, Aiden, to improve your playmaking, you need to, you know, do it in the game. You can practice it all you want, but you need that experience in the game. Here's the thing, though. He's going to still get that experience. The ball's not always going to be in Zach Levine's hands. I'm sure Kobe White will work with the bench unit a little bit as well. You know, maybe he comes off the second unit to start the year. Maybe he, you know, 
subs in with the second unit, whatever, he's still going to get opportunities to have the ball in his hands and work on his playmaking. And you're probably saying turnovers won't matter a whole lot on the Chicago Bulls for Kobe White. You know, he's going to make some mistakes with the ball in his hands. But the thing with Zach Levine is he won't have too much playmaking duties. Uh, Kobe White will. But I think White's a great versatile scorer to pair with uh, Zach Levine. I think he brings good value at the seventh pick. Uh, some people have overrated him a little, but I still like the pick for the Chicago Bulls here. Then at number not, uh, t- excuse me, number eight, we have the Pelicans picking center Jackson Hayes. Uh, this was also part of the DeAndre Hunter trade. You have the fourth pick. Great trade for the Pelicans, and this was a great pick. Uh, I gave this pick a B plus. They get an athletic rim running center in Jackson Hayes. Uh, I think he pairs well with Zion Williams. I think he fills somewhat of a need for the Pelicans, especially with Anthony Davis gone. Listen, I like Julius Randle. I like him a lot. But I just think Julius Randle's a small ball five, and you want to upgrade size-wise with Jackson Hayes. And I said, whoever's picking eight, whether it will be the Hawks or the Pelicans, they should take, excuse me, they should take Jackson Hayes. Now, I, I had Cam Reddish there, but the Pelicans... Or the Hawks, as I figured, it was either going to be one of the two picking at eight. You got to take Jackson Hayes. I think he'd be a good fit for either team, but he went to the Pelicans. Great fit for the Pelicans uh, is Jackson Hayes. And overall, I don't know how you can argue with this pick too much. I think B plus is very, um, you know, very um, understandable uh, for you guys. He is still 19 years old, and I get it. He's undersized to play center. Uh, you know how I said, you know, Julius Randle is a small ball five, and you could argue Jackson Hayes is, but Hayes still has more size and I think more potential to be bigger than Julius Randle, if you kind of know what I'm getting at. Uh, Julius Jackson Hayes is still, I believe, a little bit, yeah, he's a little bit taller than Julius Randle. I think Jackson Hayes, just his frame and his potential to get bigger. If he can get stronger, uh, that's great, because I think he could. Uh, he's a great, he's a rim protecting, you know, big as well. And I don't think Julius Randle's really that. I know you have Zion defensively, but I think Jackson Hayes, you know, he is a bit of a small ball five, but he's still bigger than Julius Randle. And I think he has potential to be an at least average size five. And I think he's a great rim running fit along with Zion Williamson for this Pelicans team. Then at number nine, we have the Wizards, and they took power forward Ryu Hachimara. I give this pick a C. I like Hachimara's game a lot. Uh, The question really for me is, uh, I have a few questions here. One is, how does he fit with the Wizards? I think he'll help him win a few games, but I'm not sure how great of a fit he'll be with the Wizards. I just think he'll be an interesting fit. Like, I'm not saying he'll be a bad fit or a good fit. I'm just saying... I don't really know. I usually know with most of these prospects, I don't know how Hachimara is going to fit. I feel like he could be a solid fit because, but at the same time, I just, I really don't know. There's just a big question there. Will he be a good fit or a bad fit? And the reason I also gave this to see was the big thing. You didn't even talk to the guy or have him work out with your team. That is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. And my other question is who's running the Wizards front office? Do the Wizards even have a plan? Because if you're taking a guy who you didn't even talk to besides once or twice after a Gonzaga game, then I, I don't know what you're doing. So I just have a lot of questions about the Wizards after this pick. Uh, I know they don't have anyone at GM right now, but who's you know leading the charge? Is it a group effort or what? Because I don't know how you don't work out with a guy or even talk to him and then all of a sudden pick him at nine. That's just a big question to me. Then at number 10, the Hawks took small forward Cam Reddish. I gave this pick a B. Uh, it's a great, good value pick at 10. Again, I have questions about Reddish. Uh, how will, you know, can his three-point uh, shot develop? Like, I know it can. You know, how can he, you know, can that motor get a little higher? Because he has such a low motor. You know, can his drive to succeed, his work ethic become a little better? Will his defense translate? Can he get more of a better two-point game? A lot of questions with Cam Reddish, but I think it's a good pick at number 10. The only thing I don't really like is that you just picked DeAndre Hunter at number four and gave up a lot to get him. DeAndre Hunter is someone who has a very high floor. Uh, the odds of him busting are very low. So why take Cam Reddish too? I think the only really explanation that makes sense is 
what if K, uh, DeAndre Hunter hits his floor or ends up being just an average 3D wing, like a little bit better than Drake, Jay Crowder? Do you want to take a Cam Reddish, you know, a guy with that high ceiling and low floor, just to make sure, you know, all right, we have a bit of a wild card here in case uh, DeAndre Hunter becomes just an average small forward, I guess. But I don't think DeAndre Hunter is a guy that you need insurance for. You already gave up your eighth pick, your 17th pick. You took on Solomon Hill's contract. To get DeAndre Hunter. Now at that 10th spot, I think you got to go with somebody else. I think they were hoping Jackson Hayes fell. Uh, again, I want to say you should have taken Bobo here, but I mean, clearly, I don't know. Uh, Bobo was just shocking, but I I mean, I thought you should have taken somebody else. Uh, I look at a guy, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't mind the Cam Reddish pick, but I think after picking DeAndre Hunter, they should have gone after someone like um, Seko Damboya. Maybe, or, you know, maybe a Romeo Langford. I don't know about that, but maybe an Akeel Alexander-Walker. Maybe you go with a Goga Badazzi. Even, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but maybe Bobo. Or you trade down. I don't know, but I just feel like Cam Reddish, it's an all right pick, but after De- picking DeAndre Hunter and giving up so much to get him, it doesn't really make sense. Especially because DeAndre Hunter's not a guy that you really need insurance for. And then at number 11, the Suns took forward Cameron Johnson, uh, the good three-point shooter. I gave this pick a D. Um, overall, just the Suns had a really, really rough draft day. And you trade out of the number six spot to go get Dario Saric in the 11th pick. So you trade down five spots to get Dario Saric, which overall in itself is an all-right trade. Uh, Darius Garland, obviously. I, I'm glad they didn't pick Kobe White. Like, if they stayed in that sixth hole and picked Kobe White, I'm sorry, that's just too much desperation because I just feel that they, um, Kobe White's not a good fit. Obviously, John Moran was not going to be available there, so maybe they weren't that high on Darius Garland. I know Garland was picked fifth, but I think either, either there were two things here. The Suns, one, I don't think they like Kobe White, but one, they didn't like Darius Garland, or two, they knew the Cavs were going to take him at five, or that he'd be gone by six. So, And they tried to trade up, couldn't, so they decided, you know, we're just going to trade down and get Dario Saric. Another one of a bit unproven wing, especially after you trade TJ Warren. My boy TJ Warren, love TJ Warren. Uh, you know, Not my favorite player, but I still really like him. I know he averaged 18 points per game. Uh, I know he's a bad defender and that those 18 points per game were on the Suns, but still, I like so, me some TJ Warren, a good little player. But Cameron Johnson, he's a great shooter, but the thing with Cam Johnson is, one, you saw Kobe White. His own team, he was like, Cameron Johnson went that high? Are you kidding me? Um, and, I mean, this guy was, you know, expected to go as early as, you know, the earliest late teens, and that was going to be pretty rare. Uh, you know, it could happen. People are just too high on Cameron Johnson. He's a great shooter, and he'll help right away, I, I do think. Um, he'll help right away uh, with that shooting, but because he is probably the best shooter in the draft, and he has some good size. Um, and his jump shot will translate because he usually can shoot over basically anyone in the draft, especially with this great size. But he's already 23 years old. Uh, he doesn't create his own shot. He's really just a good shooter. Too many injuries. Uh, and some teams just stayed away from him because of those injuries. And I just see him as a three-point combo forward. Uh, I don't really see the defense, though. I- I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know about his defense. Cameron Johnson... His defense, I, I'm not as uh, sold on it as other people are, to be honest. So I could see him as a three-point combo forward, possibly with some defense. So I don't know. I gave that pick a D. It, it just could be a lot better. Uh, it was way too early. Then the Hornets took forward P.J. Washington. I think his ceiling is Paul Millsap. And overall, I gave this pick a B. This is a solid pick by the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I'm not sold P.J. Washington will be awesome. Uh, he's an undersized. He's 6'8". I, I think I did a scouting report on him. Never mind. That was a while ago uh, before the uh, my podcast. I even started this thing. Um, but I like P.J. Washington. Uh, not my favorite, but I like him. He's undersized, but I think he shows some of those Paul Millsap type. That's the ceiling. I'm not saying he'll hit that ceiling, but I think he'll be a solid fit with the Charlotte Hornets. 
And I, I think they should this should be pretty happy with that pick. I give that a B. Then at 13, the Heat take guard Tyler Hero. Hero, whatever you want to say. I gave this pick a B minus. This pick could end up being a very good pick, but at the same time, not really sure. Tyler Hero is 6'6, but he has a 6'3 wingspan. He's not gonna be a very good defender. He's not a great playmaker. He's really only a very good shooter. But he's more of a shooter that can create his own shot. I do think this is a solid pick for the Heat. I thought they were going to take Saku Dumboya. And if not, they would take Romeo Langford. I was shocked to see Tyler Harrow go here. Um, I just thought it was Dumboya all the way. And if not Langford, who are the next two picks? But no, Harrow is not a horrible pick here. It's average. Because really, this could end up really kind of backfiring. But I do like the idea. Get a guard that can score. Uh, you know, he's not going to be very good defensively. That wingspan's just just 6'3 on a 6'6 guard. Bit odd, but he can create his own shot. One of the best shooters in this draft, and he's going to get buckets in the NBA. He's going to get buckets for this Miami Heat team, and I think they need that. Then at number 14, the Celtics take shooting guard Romeo Lakeford. Ugh. <sighs> I gave this a very generous C+. Very, very generous C+. Very, very generous C+. I hated this pick. I'm sorry. Okay? I, I, I hated it a little too much, but I hate it. I wanted Brandon Clark here so bad, and if not Seku Domboya, and I know I've been saying it, Domboya bust, Domboya bust, but these past few days I've looked into it, and he just reminds me too much of a Pascal Siakam but especially Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I'm not saying he's going to be honest. Like, Aiden, whoa, cool down. But I felt like it was a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me type of thing with Danny Ainge. Sakudam Boya sitting right there. Very risky pick. But you have the Heat, who are at 13, which have Kelly Olenek. I don't know why. I'm going to say some things that really just reminded me. First of all, that Demboya kind of reminds you of a Giannis Antetokounmpo. A guy who's overseas player. You know, people don't know a lot about him. He's very young. He's going to need time to develop. Don't know a ton about him again. Kind of looks kind of skinny. But, you know, pretty dominant anyway overseas. Again, young. Both were picked 15th overall. The Heat... We're picking 13. They have Kelly Olynyk, who you picked at 13. So, again, and, and you traded for this 14th pick, too. And you traded for the 13th pick back in 2013. It just reminds me of Giannis, and that still haunts me to this day. So, I feel like it was a fool me one. Shame on me. Uh, shame on... Shame... Whatever it is. Whatever the saying is. Uh, and fool me twice. Shame on you, but... Danny Ainge, I just, that's why I was starting to, Domboya could be real good. Oh, God. Oh, no, this is good. This is Giannis. And if Domboya turns into even just Pascal Siakam, because I don't think he'll be honest. I don't know. But if he could turn into somewhat of a Pascal Siakam, that still hurts. Because now all of a sudden you missed on another one of those guys. Lankford, I'm sorry. I'm not a huge fan of this guy. I thought he's, I think he's going to bust. I thought that. Uh, he's a slashing guard. That you know plays more of a downhill style. You know he can you know play with the pace of play, which is good. Um, and his shot, he only shot twenty seven percent from three. Uh, but the thumb injury he had could have contributed to that. But I'm not really uh, sure. I, I'm still like on his shooting. Uh, Boston always uh, makes shoot. He makes players better shooters. You saw Jalen Brown. Uh, was more Romeo Langford. Jalen Brown, kind of like Romeo Langford in a way, were two slashing guards that uh, Danny Ainge decided to bring in. Both picks were kind of hated. You know, weren't horrible picks, but were kind of hated. Uh, a little bit surprised as to both slashing, athletic. You know, Romeo Langford's pretty athletic. Not as athletic as Jalen Brown, but both pretty athletic. You know, slashing guards. That had some shooting problems, but then came in. Like, Jalen Brown came in and his shot got better. Hopefully, it's the same thing with Romeo Langford. Um, yeah, he can create offense. He controls the pace of the game. He's crafty at the basket. 
and, and overall, I think he could be a very good scoring, you know, package combo scorer, I'll call it. Combo scorer could Romeo Langford be on the wing for you. But overall, I'm just not a huge fan of the guy. I don't know what it is. I'm just not a huge fan of him. Then we get out of lottery and the Pistons here pick the Detroit Pistons take forward more likely a power forward, Saku Domboya. I gave this pick a B minus. I know I said, oh, you just get into my head, but still, still, it just didn't make a ton of sense taking another forward. He's he's a big power forward. And I know, you know, you're, you're probably saying, is it because they have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Thon Maker, and they're literally loaded in the front court and need almost every other position? Somewhat, yeah, I know. Here's the thing about that, though. Though, 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 Blake Griffin, I think he's, what, third? Uh, let me look it up right now. Sorry for the typing, but Blake Griffin is at the age of 30. Yeah, I was right. He's 30. So, Blake Griffin's 30. Andre Drummond's entering. It's, anyway, just focus on Blake Griffin for a minute. Blake Griffin is now 30. Dumboya is only, I think, 17. So, it's going to take Dumboya a few years to develop. So by the time Dumboya develops into a solid, you know, by the time he's maybe 20 years old, it's going to take a few years for Dumboya to really uh, develop. Blake Griffin's probably, you know, out of his prime, not really as good anymore. Or, you know, he's still solid and Dumboya just comes off the bench for you. I don't know. Dumboya's a big risk, high ceiling. You know, Dumboya has a very high ceiling, but a very low floor. Huge risk. This guy could totally bust on you, never even touch the NBA court. Like, if there's one guy in the top 15 that you could bet never even plays an NBA game, it's Dumboya. Dumboya may never play an NBA game. He may not really like it over here in the United States and go back to France or wherever he's from. Or he may just totally bust and all of a sudden you're developing him, kind of forget about him. He kind of just falls off. He's not really that great. You know, you don't know. He may never, never touch the NBA floor again. But his ceiling, so his floor is he never plays an NBA game. His ceiling is he's an all-star. Obviously, everyone's floor and ceiling is that. Zion could end up getting hurt, never playing an NBA game. His ceiling could be the best player ever. You know, that could happen with anyone. But realistically, Domboya could be an all-star. Or he could never play a game. So it's just a huge risk, huge risk. And the Pistons took it at 15. Then at number 16, the Magic took center Chuma Okeke. Overall, you have Mo Bamba. You have Nikola Vucevic. You have too many big men. And Chumo Okeke now. Okeke's coming off of the ACL. He's a second-round prospect. Not only was this a reach, but you add to already your loaded front court. He's a good fit. But other than that, I don't really see why you made this pick. I gave it a very generous C. I want to bump that down. I'm going to bump that down to a C- minus right now. That's a C-. minus Because you just have too much in that front court. Uh, and I like the fit, but this is a reach. Too much in your front court. Uh, he has the ACL injury as well. You know, Bamba's all banged up all the time as well. So, overall, I just I, I wasn't a huge fan of this pick. I just thought it was a huge reach. It was shocking, too. Uh, some people don't mind the pick as much, but overall, just reach. You have too much in that front court already. Not a great pick. Then at number 17, the Pelicans took shooting guard Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I gave this pick a B. This was, you know, a little over an average pick. You add some shooting on that wing. More shooting, shooting, shooting. Uh, and it's fine. That's perfectly fine. I'm like, oh, more shooting. Great, great, great. That's actually a good thing. Because I don't actually, the more I think about it, they don't really have any shooting. Look at their starting five. Alonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Julius Randle slash Jackson Hayes. Take your pick out of them, too, because neither one of them can shoot anyway. That has zero shooting. Zero shooting on that line. You have Josh Hart, Etwan Moore, and that's about it on your roster that can shoot threes. You need shooting. You need it. Uh, actually, the more that I think... No, never mind. The Hawks have the pick. So, I mean, yeah. That, you have Josh Hart and Etwan Moore that can shoot threes on your team. And Drew Holiday... Uh, um, Drew Holiday is eh on threes. Drew Holiday is 32.5% uh, last season. He's 36 35.5 over his career, but last season he kind of dropped off with the three. Uh, David Griffin also to Drew Holiday's team. I just ticked off uh, Zion a little, but anyway, you needed shooting. You need shooting on this team, uh, on the wing. And it, so this pick really didn't make sense. It did. A Shy Gilgis Alexander's cousin. It's great. 
Great little story there, backstory. I like the pick. Give it a B. Then the Pacers take center Goga Badazzi. I gave this pick a B. I love Goga Badazzi. I think he's very underrated. I think he'll be a very good NBA pro. At least a serviceable NBA pro. I really respect Goga Badazzi. Uh, he's from the country, Georgia. That's where he played. And you see, I loved Goga Badazzi's game. I thought, you know, I thought there's a chance Celtics might take him. I'd be perfectly fine with that. But then I saw the other day the picture of him all alone, like, he was next to Zion Williamson when they were getting interviewed by the reporters, and he had not one person was interviewing him. There's a whole mob in front of Zion. And that picture made me real. That picture right there, I, I don't know why it just assured me that this guy's going to be good. That picture right there, we're going to look back at that, and he may not be better than Zion. We're going to look back at that and say, Look at that. Don't want to interview him. Then I'll look at him. And I know Zion will probably be better. But still, I just love Gogo Badazzi. Now I like him even more. But overall, the pick the pick itself, I like Badazzi at 18. Maybe a bit of a reach. Bit. But I don't really, I actually, I don't consider it a reach. But you already have Miles Turner. You have Don DeMontis a bonus. But the thing about this is the reason you're probably saying, yeah, you have all these guys. Why do they pick them? Sabonis' future with the team is up in the air. He's a free agent. And Miles Turner's even been, you know, quietly, I feel, been shocked a little bit. He's been talked about in some trade rumors, just a few. But I think they needed another center because overall, from what I've heard, a lot of those guys in the front court, their futures are up in the air. And then at number 19, the Spurs took power forward Lucas Samanik. Uh, I gave this pick a B-, minus, a bit generous, but I the reason was because the pick makes, uh, it's a good fit. Anyway, I had Samanik going um, either twenty. Uh, I had him either going 29th to the Spurs or 27th to the uh, Nets, which was now the Clippers pick. I thought he'd go one of those two spots. But he actually went 19 here. Uh, I knew, uh, you know, this is this is a, the guy a Spurs would like. This is the type of player that the Spurs like, so it makes sense why they pick him. I think he's a good fit with their type of system. But overall, I just think this was a reach, so I had to give it a B minus. Then at number 20, we have the 76ers taking small for you, Matisse Thibel. I gave this pick a B. This is a very solid pick, I believe, at least. Uh, this this team's, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with Tobias or Jimmy Butler, or J.J. Redick. So if all three of them are out of the equation, this team all of a sudden has really no shooting. Those three guys give you a lot of shooting, but if you only get back one of those guys, uh, your team has only a little bit of shooting. If you get back all three, your team has a good amount of shooting now. But if you get back two, your team has your team probably needs another shooter. If you only get back one or zero, your team needs a shooter. And Matisse Thibel is a great shooter and defender. So I think this is a perfect fit. It's good insurance if you see a guy like Jimmy Butler leave because uh, he brings three. He gives you three point shooting, which you could lose, and defense, which you could lose if Jimmy Butler leaves. And overall, I just think he'd be a good fit. And he can give you depth. Because all of a sudden, if two of those three guys come back, Matisse Thibel, even if he comes off the bench, he could be a good 3-and-D wing off the bench in case one of those guys get injured. He gives you depth. I really like the fit, the pick, all of that. I give it a B. Then the Grizzlies... Sorry. No. Then the Grizzlies take power forward Brandon Clark. One pick for the Celtics. Ugh. Not really crying, but I, uh, I was very upset when this pick happened because all of a sudden Woj said, uh, or it was, yeah, it was, I was, yeah, it was Woj. Woj said before the pick, I believe it's gonna be Brandon Clark here. I was like, no, 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 please no, please no. I, I love Brandon Clark. I gave this pick a very a little bit biased, but an A minus. This was still a good pick, regardless. I know this team has now Jay Crowder, Jonas Valanciunas, probably, and Jay J- Triple J. But here's the thing: Jay Crowder, how much does he really count? Jonas Valanciunas will probably come back, and he's a center anyway. And Triple J's, uh, he's injured right now, big injury last year. So Brandon Clark, this pick does make sense. I think he's a good fit with this team. I think it would be nice if he could provide you a little bit of shooting, but. Uh, I think he's a great fit, defensive monster, high motor, good work ethic, solid post game. 
Uh, well, inside the paint game, not really a post game, but good mid-range shot anyway, too. I love the pick here, a minus. A little biased, but anyway. Then at number 22, I had the Celtics. Uh, the Celtic took power forward Grant Williams, and I gave it a B. Uh, I hated this pick a little bit at first, but then um, the more I thought about it, because overall, it's just a little surprised. I think this was a bit of a reach, but still not a bad pick. Uh, Grant Williams is a guy who, uh, first of all, you know, played at Tennessee and you know was highly regarded going into the year. Uh, but no, he, um, yeah, it was a bit of a reach uh, and struggled at the NBA's draft combine. Um, but overall, and I mean, given, you can argue, uh, you know, that was kind of more of a free-for-all game. But anyway, I do think Grant Williams would is a very good fit with the Celtics system. And it really depends. What do you think about his jump shot? Because I, I think, you know, it depends. What do you think? Uh, he shot 33% from three in college. You know, he didn't take a lot of shots. It's more of a spot-up three-point shooter. But if you buy his jump shot, that can be a whole different look. Like, if you're a doubter on his jump shot, rather do you like his jump shot, that's kind of the big thing, big difference. But overall, I think he's a good fit with the Celtics. A bit of a reach, but overall solid fit, and I give that a B. Then at number 23, the Thunder take power forward Darius Baisley. I gave this a C-. minus. Uh, you had um, Brandon Clark right there, and I know Clark wouldn't have been a very good fit at all because he brings uh, no shooting whatsoever. But Baisley is a guy who you know decided he'd take this year off, you know, to work on his game for the draft. And overall, I, you know, I kind of like him, but I just think this was a big, uh, big reach. And although I kind of like him, I don't really at the same time. He's eh for me, so I give this a C minus. I just think this is a reach. He's a solid fit with the Thunder, but I'm not sure how much he'll do at the next level. Then at number 24, the Suns take guard Ty Jerome. I gave this pick a B minus. A little bit generous. Uh, overall, though, I, I don't know why I gave this, you know, I say a little bit generous. I just don't have a great feeling about it. I don't know. You know, I can see Ty Jerome in the Suns jersey, and I get why they'd pick him. It makes a whole lot of sense why they pick Ty Jerome. Get a playmaking point guard. You need a point guard. Take Ty Jerome. You didn't take one before. You trade down to take Cam Johnson. So the pick makes sense. You take a point guard. You needed a point guard. You get a playmaking point guard now in Ty Jerome. So the pick makes sense. I just don't know how he'll do with the Phoenix Suns. So that's why I gave it a B-. Then the Trailblazers take small forward Nasir Little. I gave this pick an A-. minus. I know I hated on Nasir Little, but here's the thing about Little is I hated on him at first. But I've been thinking lately... You know, at first, this was a while ago, but, you know, for the past month, month and a half, I've been thinking, this guy won't bust because he's such a good defender. Defenders can do it at the next level. I compared him to kind of like a Marcus Smart, which is eh. Which is an eh comparison, which is for you Celtics fans. Um, He's, you know, he's not a great team defender, but he's a very good individual defender. So that uh, Trailblazers team really needs defense. The Trailblazers were high on him as well, so that's good to hear. Uh, that they really believe in this kid. Little did only average nine points per game, but you have to remember he played limited minutes. Per 36 minutes, the guy averages 22 points per game. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, people say he's not that good on offense, and I do have to agree he's not a great player on offensively, but he's not as horrible as people think. Like, yeah, this guy only averaged nine points per game. He only played about 17 minutes a night. So, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. I mean, to me, it looks like this guy has some potential. Um, and I know that's it sounds like the math's wrong, but believe me, uh, this guy was just under 10 points per game. So, it was around 21 points per game, per 36, I do believe. Um, but no, it's a great fit because the Trailblazers are high on him. He brings some good defense. Uh, great versatile wing player for them. Again, I'm not sure it'll be a 3 and D wing, but it'll certainly bring the defense. A-. minus. Then at number 26, the Cavaliers took small forward Dylan Windler. I gave this pick a C. People are very high on Windler out of Maryland, and I do kind of believe in him, but I'm not as high as other people. Uh, John Beeline will uh, probably find something for uh, Dylan Windler uh, to do, and by that I mean he'll fit him into the uh, game plan, the system, the rotation, all of that. He's a great shooter, great stroke, uh, left-handed uh, great cutter as well as Windler, but he's just skinny. Uh, he won't be a very good defender. 
He's not very athletic, and overall, he just struggles against better teams. Some of the best teams in college, he just really struggled. So that kind of tells me that, you know, his athleticism is really killing him uh, in a way, uh, even with his shooting. Because uh, he shot 41% from three in college, and um, his athleticism, again, is going to kind of kill him defensively, and he struggled against the teams. Uh, he struggled against the better teams in college. I'll say that time and time again. His his efficiency went down by a lot. He shot 41% from three in college. Remember, he played for, Bel- not Maryland, Belmont. He played for Belmont. I mean, I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's where he played, right? Yeah, Belmont. Uh, I don't know why I thought Mel- Maryland. What good teams are Belmont going to face? Not a lot. So that's why Dylan Windler went in there, faced a lot of bad teams, shot very high percentages from three, but then when he faced the good teams, which happened, you know, not a lot, but when it did, he didn't. He kind of crumbled. It didn't shoot very well from three. So that kind of really caught my eye, that this guy's athleticism, he can't really get shots up against these better teams. So how does that really translate to the next level? If he's really only a shooter and he can't shoot against the good teams, what is that going to do? Not doubting him, but again, that really caught my eye. Then at number 27, the Clippers took center, Mafiandu Cabangeli. Uh, again, I had him going 55th on my mock draft. And again, I did say, I was a little bit surprised he got surprised, uh, invited to the green room. I thought he'd be an early second or late first round pick. I, again, I just kind of forgot about him. That's why I threw him in at 55. To the Clippers, by the way. So I did predict he'd go to the Clippers. But again, he wasn't going to go that low. I knew he'd go around this range. Um, I said that. And I gave this pick a C. Uh, he br- he's a great rim protector slash um, shooter. Uh, he could be a 3 and D big man, uh, which is odd to say. Very unique talent for a big man around this range. Great, again, great rim protector. He brings great size. Rim protecting rebounder that can shoot the ball. I would like to see him become a little bit better of a three-point shooter uh, and a little bit better, uh, well, a little bit better even just rebounder, room protector in general, uh, just a little bit. Uh, the big thing is, though, his three-point shooting. It's good, but I'd like to see it improve a little more at the next stage. But with that size, for a guy that's such a good room protector and rebounder, he has to get a better post game. I'm sorry. And I just think for the Clippers, this was an all-right fit, all-right pick. Uh, under average, though, C-minus. Then the number 28, the Warriors took guard Jordan Poole. Uh, he didn't even get invited to the draft room. Again, I think this was a big, big-ish reach. And I gave this pick a C- minus because they probably could have picked him with one of their later second-rounders. Um, but the reason I gave it a C- minus rather than like a D or something because he's an unathletic shooter. Who does that remind you of? Steph Curry. Now, I'm not saying Jordan Poole is going to be Steph Curry. But when shooters come to Golden State, they thrive. Golden State has been able to take unathletic shooters – and even not even unathletic, but guys that really only shoot or you know, they're unathletic. If you're a good shooter, Golden State can turn you into something. And I think they can do the same with Jordan Poole. I gave it a C- because it's a big reach, a bit of a questionable first-round pick again. But if it was any other team picking this guy in this position, it's probably an F. But since it's the Warriors and they've been able to develop shooters, I have to give it a C-. Then number 29, the Spurs took shooting guard slash small forward. Keldon Johnson, I gave this pick a B. He's a very humble man, a hard, hard worker. His work ethic is so good. He's super humble. Great fit with the Spurs. Good defender, good shooter. You know, I'd like to see his athleticism improve, but overall, I think this pick makes a lot of sense for the Spurs. He's just a good fit with their system. Excuse me. Again, humble, hardworking. I have all the respect in the world for Keldon Johnson. I wish him the best of luck because I think he'll fit great with the Spurs for that reason, and Coach Pop will just love him. Then the last pick I'll be grading is the Cavaliers taking shooting guard Kevin Porter Jr. I gave this pick a B. He brings great value at number 30. He can do it all. Uh, He does a little bit of everything, and it's a good pick, but... Their backcourt is just too loaded, and the -the off-the-court issues have to scare me a little bit. Uh, The -the off-the-court issues uh, hurt the grade a little bit itself, plus the fact that you already drafted Darius Garland in this draft, and you already have Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson. 
I'm sorry, I just felt, uh, and Dylan Windler, who's a small forward, I just felt you should have gone a little bigger here and that you're already loaded enough in the backcourt. You shouldn't add another person. I know it's tempting to take a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. at 30. I don't blame you. This pick was a little over average. I'd say average is like B-. minus. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like saying Keldon Johnson. I Overall, which pick was better? You'd probably say Keldon Johnson and Kate. You just, you're praising the Keldon Johnson pick. Now this is bad, but no. The Keldon Johnson pick and the Kevin Porter Jr. pick are both Bs, but I'd say Keldon Johnson pick was a little better. Uh, but no, Kevin Porter Jr., solid pick. But the off-court issues have to scare you, and uh, so does the fact that this uh, backcourt's already loaded up enough. And, I mean, I'll go over a little, a little bit of the uh, next... Uh, I saw the Suns take my boy Casey Paula. Actually, the Heat took him. Never mind. I wish him the best of luck. Then our Celtics took Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters. I know there's a lot of you Celtics fans out there. What does this mean? You got two undersized point guards here. Carson Edwards could be a shooting guard. I don't really know. You just got to hope one of these guys works out and turns into something. You took two undersized shooting guards, but two guys that can really play, played really, really well in college, and you just got to hope one of them can turn out. If you had a bet on one, obviously Carson Edwards, because he's a much higher pick. Um, but between Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, just hope one of them can work out. Don't expect both of them to work out. Just hope one can be a solid score, be something for your team, because you're trying to get insurance here. I know what the Celtics were trying to do if you're gonna play Carson Edwards at shooting guard again? They said it on the TV, and I have to agree. You're gonna need a bigger shooting guard because Carson Edwards is so undersized. The size has to scare you with Edwards. You know the guy's as tough as nails. He's a great shooter, great scorer in general, but he's just small. He won't be very good on the defensive end. You gotta get someone big to pair with him, and his playmaking abilities iffy as well. Overall, then you got other things. Uh, I saw my boy Cody Martin get picked out of Nevada. I just like Nevada. I don't know why, even though they killed my bracket. Um, then Daniel Gafford goes to the Bulls. Uh, I like that pick. Uh, a nice backup. I know you have Robin Lopez, but a nice backup for Wendell Carter Jr., who's usually banged up. Bruno Fernando goes to the Sixers. Great addition for the Sixers. Fernando is an absolute beast. I love Bruno Fernando. And I know you have Joel Embiid, but he's a good backup for you, uh, Bruno is. And especially when Joel is banged up. The Hawks, uh, excuse me, the Hawks trading him to the Nuggets. Bobo to the Nuggets. The Nuggets are loaded. I mean, I'm not trying to overrate Bobo here, but that his ceiling is high enough to take the risk in in the 15, you know, the teens. Bobo is worth the pick in the teens. His ceiling is just too high, and I know the injuries have to scare you, and his motor has to scare you, and his defense. I mean, his defense, he has potential. A lot of it's just potential. I know he's a good shooter. We already know he's a good shooter. He moves pretty fluidly. But other than that, all we know is he has potential defensively, and he's just very injury-prone. I know he's a big risk, but his ceiling is so high. And for him to slide down to 44, uh, that's just a shock to me. Then you saw Taylor Horton Tucker fall all the way to 46, which is crazy. And, guy, you know, uh, I don't know what else to say. A uh, few guys that didn't get drafted. Luguin's Dort was expected to be a late first to early second rounder. Didn't even get picked, uh, which was an absolute shock. Shamir Pons, a little sad to not see him get picked. I love Shamir Pons. Nazreen Reed also didn't get picked. Those were three kind of big guys. Uh, I heard uh, Adam McQuaid got picked. Um... Uh, got signed by the Detroit Pistons today, and I heard the big man, the center uh, at Duke last year, got signed to the Cavs. I forget his name. Uh, I just kind of focused on I didn't really focus on him. Uh, but that's good to hear. Anyway, we're going to get to more of the draft tomorrow, hopefully tomorrow's episode. Again, this is like four or five very long episodes in a row, um, closing in on an hour here. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening again. Please, just share this with your friends. I'm trying to grow. I know this is just going to be a long process, long grind, just the beginning. But I really, I do a lot for you guys. I do an episode basically every single day, and I do a lot of research for it and a lot of hard work. So I'd really appreciate it if you just told a few of your sports friends, uh, sports you know fans that are friends about this podcast so we can just keep growing. I just want to keep getting better for you guys. Uh, also, go follow my Instagram after the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, uh, no spaces. I can just keep you updated there when there's a new episode because uh, sometimes the updates are a little late uh, for the podcast or some of you don't get it. I don't know. It's kind of, it's just a little inconsistent. So I figured I'd make an Instagram. 
to keep you guys updated. And also, uh, go uh, call in on the Anchor mobile app, type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk, send it a voice message, or use Safari and just type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk by Aiden Mayer on Anchor, and you should uh, find my link to it on Anchor and be able to send it a voice message. Hopefully, I think you have up to a minute, but again, if you need uh, two segments to do that, that's completely fine. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please just help me out a little bit here. Uh, hopefully it's not asking it too much, and I hope to see you guys next time.